When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again, and uh, we're back. Tonight, we're going to talk with Aaron from Reeducation, and we're going to talk about his journey and how he wound up where he is now when he started off in the far right, the, the bad far right, the far right nobody wants to be a part of, and that's where he started off, and today, he is part of BreadTube. He is a leftist YouTuber, um, and his... Uh, Audience is growing pretty quickly. Now, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties recording tonight, so uh, just bear with us when you hear it. All right, so let's get started. Re-education, and we just lost his call. (laughs) Can you hear me? I'm still here. And we're back. All right, there we go. All right, so... Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, I live out in the middle of the country, so internet is very sparse down here. So uh, my name is Aaron. I'm from the show Reeducation. I do a show on uh, skepticism, socialism, anarchism, communism, that sort of thing. And uh, we talk a lot about politics. We talk a lot about uh, how we can uh, reform and um, basically uh, use revolutionary tactics towards finding a better system or making a better system. I like it. Sounds good. Um, so you had a interesting beginning in your journey to where you're at now. How, how did you get here? Right. So, okay. So it's a long story. Um, when I was growing up, I, I'm probably going to say uh, I changed my ideology mostly around 2012, something like that. But up until that point, Um, I was very much a conservative-leaning person. Um, I went so far as to say that I was alt-light in a couple of videos, but I would actually, now that I've thought about it a little bit more, I'd even go further and say that I was very much alt-right when I was um, growing up. And uh, that came about from basically living in uh, a community that was full of a lot of people that had very mixed ideas on how uh, race and gender and class and that sort of thing um, worked. My parents were for uh, lack of a better term, really quite uh, racist people. So it, I kind of adopted all of those um, stereotypes and just kind of fell into the wrong crowd. A lot of the people that I uh, associated with were uh, bona fide uh, neo-Nazis, skinheads, uh, the kind of guys that would go around uh, erecting and burning crosses um, and that sort of thing. And uh, I've been around a couple of times when, they, when they've when uh, they done that sort of stuff, and it was... Uh, it was intense to say the least. Um, but back in those days, I was, you know, uh, a rambunctious kid. Uh, I was really interested in a lot of that kind of stuff. I thought that it was edgy. I thought that it was cool. I thought that it was uh, interesting and taboo. So it made me um, want to join with them and kind of roll with those kinds of people. And uh, yeah, it, it basically turned into being a uh, very um, 
difficult situation for a lot of people. Uh, just to give you an idea of the kind of people that I'm that I'm talking about. Uh, my one friend, I'm going to not use any names, obviously here, but uh, one of the friends that I had actually um, had an incident where them and a couple of their buddies went around the town uh, finding people that were married, uh, you know, to uh, different colored uh, people, um, interracial marriages and so forth. And uh, planted shrapnel bombs on the front uh, on the front of their um, steps, so they would blow up when these people came to their door. Luckily, all of the people that were doing that, these neo-Nazi kids, were about as dumb as bricks, so they weren't able to actually make the um, make the shrapnel bombs go off properly. But it is uh, some people did end up getting hurt from it. So these weren't good guys. It was, it was a really bad, yeah, it was a really bad situation, and lots of other things too. Like it, it, it was just. It, it was really rough, like a lot of vandalism, lots of stuff like that. So it was a really rough crowd. Um, and I I thought to myself that all of this stuff is just, you know, kind of normal, right? Like this is the normal that I grew up with. This is just the way things were. Um, and it wasn't until I started getting out into the real world, into like the workforce and that sort of thing, and really started to talk to other people that I realized that everybody is just a human being, right? It's not about somebody being a certain color or somebody having a certain religion or somebody believing a certain thing. It's about us all being people and it's all having to work together and live together on this planet. And we're just trying to get by. And I, I lost a lot of those ideas um, when I started to uh, progress uh, further into the workforce and talking to more people and moving around a lot and that sort of thing. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, planning explosives is definitely a uh, a step up in the escalation factor there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Looking uh, looking back at that and then looking at the things that are going on now, like with milkshaking and stuff, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Shaking my head a little bit when I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And then, so you, you kind of leave this group and you start thinking about things a little bit more in depth and how did that, like, I've still, I mean, that transition, it's, I mean, we all yeah. make them, but I mean, that's a big one. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is a long way to go, isn't it? Right. So, okay. So I guess that's really the beginning of the, the whole transition through um, being uh, that way, being very much a racist um, borderline Nazi character uh, to finally becoming what I am today, more of a revolutionary, more of a person that's on the side of we all need to get along and uh, thinking more communistically about things. Um, but getting there was a long, a long, long road, right? And it took a lot of different uh, factors to actually get me to that point. There isn't, a lot of people think that there's some magic bullet out there, that there's some uh, sentence that somebody's going to be able to say that's just going to convince everybody around that this is the right way to go about things, this is the right way to do things, and there's not. Right. Everybody is different and they're all going to come to their positions in a different way. My journey had very, uh, a lot to do with um, skepticism. Right. I was a big time skeptic all growing up. So uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, through YouTube and that sort of thing is a lot of these people that I used to idolize that were skeptics um, weren't holding to this same kind of skepticism when it came to other things, when it came to race, when it came to gender, when it came to anything basically other than religion. And I started to notice that because, you know, I'm like you, Bo, I'm one of the kind of guys that'll go out there and I'll actually fact check shit stuff. 
and uh, and I'll try. Sorry, we're, we're trying not to swear here. Um, well, I'll actually go and I'll try to fact check stuff, stuff, and I'll try to find out if it's true. So when I hear something that I don't think is necessarily correct, then I'll go and I'll check it out. I'll find out if it is true, and and I'll make a decision from there. And I try to be intellectually rigorous, even back then. And if I found an argument that convinced me that was, you know, a good argument, good sound argument, I would want to change my mind. But that's not everyone, man, right? Like a lot of people have all of these ideas made up uh, over the course of an entire lifetime. And that lifetime is really what defines that person as a human being. So when you already have all of these things making you up as that person, and then you have that worldview challenged, right? That's not only going to um, disrupt your the, the way you think about things. That's going to make you angry. It's going to make you lash out. And uh, a lot of people um, are very much that way. So um, luckily, I was already this skeptically minded person. So when I heard uh, alternative arguments to the things that I was saying, um, I thought that they were rather convincing. Uh, my entire uh, journey uh, back when I was um, very much right leaning, one of the things that I was arguing for a lot uh, was the fact that uh, one of my friends couldn't wear a T-shirt in school that had a great big swastika on it. Now, I was arguing back then that uh, I think that it's a good thing that he should be able to go and, and wear this because he should be able, able to wear things that say white pride or uh, that sort of thing, swastikas, that sort of thing, because not only freedom of speech, but also on top of that, oh, hopefully I didn't lose you, well, actually, he did lose us, and uh, so we're going to take this opportunity for a quick ad break, and we will be right back and pick up where the story left off in a very odd spot. Um, oh, that's right. So uh, I was fighting for uh, this friend of mine so he could uh, be able to wear this T-shirt with a swastika on it, and one of the arguments that I was always making uh, was that um, he should be allowed to wear that because people in my uh, high school, uh, they were all uh, Native people. They were all wearing Native Pride t-shirts. So I thought, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. You can't just be wearing a Native Pride shirt um, and get away with that and not allow somebody that's white to be wearing a white Pride shirt, allowing them to get away with that. But the problem is, though, is that I didn't realize the cultural connotations that came along with this. Um, this is all coming from the broken mental faculties of a young uh, teenage boy who doesn't understand the world, who's looking at everything through the lens of somebody who lives a relatively privileged life. So I don't understand that there's a lot of things that are involved in just, uh, not just racism, but the uh, power dynamic between white people and black people or white people and uh, native people and that sort of thing. So um, I remember uh, being back in uh, uh, summer school, fighting for this and almost getting into a physical confrontation with the teacher, actually trying to fight for um, this uh, friend of mine to be able to wear these sorts of things. And it wasn't until later on in life that I heard other arguments, like the one I gave you a moment ago, about how there is that power dynamic and there is that, uh, that, that serious division between people uh, that is reinforced by state structures and that sort of thing that really makes not just uh, these racist statements hurtful, but it perpetuates a uh, problem throughout the rest of society that continuously uh, pushes down on these certain individuals and makes their lives harder. So even 
just me as an individual going out and doing that definitely does make things a lot harder for those people. Um, so that is uh, how, how my journey basically started. And um, after listening to a lot more skepticism and that sort of thing, I uh, found myself um, mostly doing this journey online because that's where I live. I'm very much an online person. Um, and I found people like uh, uh, Richard the Dick Coughlin. And he was making really good arguments against people like Stefan Molyneux. And uh, I thought that that was really interesting. I've seen people like Kevin Logan and Christy Winters, who are, um, if your audience doesn't know who any of these people are, that's fine. They're people who a lot of people would be calling SJWs or social justice warriors. And um, I thought that a lot of the things that they were saying, though it was aggravating to me and sometimes cringy, um, I thought that they made fairly decent arguments and it started pushing me towards that leftist side. And there's a lot of things that did that as well. Learning more about social democracy and democratic socialism through the Bernie Sanders campaign um, and other YouTubers that uh, covered that sort of thing. Even watching some Young Turks videos, which I would probably never do now, uh, but back in those days, it did help me hear a different opinion and actually get a different idea of how those sides think. Um, and eventually I started to realize that all of this is basically just a bunch of people that are looking at life through certain lenses, right? When you're born, you're dumped into a box and everybody is told that they have to stand there and defend and fight that, uh, fight that box. But none of that makes any sense because when you're born, you're just a human being with different kinds of stresses, different kinds of pressures, different kinds of everything. And uh, everybody is going to come out of that in a different way. So me thinking that all of these people were bad or um, not as good as I was or anything like that all throughout high school and that sort of thing. Uh, once I started to hear about all of these other arguments about how they had to fight for social equality, all of these uh, things with Martin Luther King and with uh, uh, fighting for civil rights and that sort of thing, that started to put a fire in my belly, right? It started to make me really realize that not only is this social justice thing, um, though I thought it was cringy at first, not only is it a good thing, it's something that we should all be fighting. Um, so I, I started to gear a lot of the things that I was saying uh, back in those days towards being more social justice oriented um, and uh, trying to talk a little bit more about uh, the world through the lens of somebody who actually cares about things uh, instead of just being cynical and basically saying that everything is terrible. Uh, so where are you at now? Like what, what it, where, if you, if you had to label yourself and you choose to, what, what would it be? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm very open with my labels. Um, I'm an anarcho-communist, um, anarcho being the abolishment of all unnecessary or unjustified hierarchies and uh, communist is the worker control and ownership of the means of production. Um, and, I chose those labels uh, because I feel that they are the most fitting for the ideas that I've uh, ideals that I've always had. Or at least had for so you will be able to answer a question that pops up in the comments section all the time. Tell me the difference between communism and socialism and anarcho-communism and and all of it. Break it down for <laughs> okay, us. Okay, so. All right. So perfect. I'll, I'll let you know. All right. So um, communism and socialism are the same yet different. Right. 
when you're in the United States, basically everybody considers them to be the same exact thing. Uh, those two words are interchangeable with one another. But the way that they were initially uh, spoken about was, I'm not going to say initially, but basically the, the best way to explain it is uh, communism is basically the goal, whereas socialism is a path towards that goal, right? So communism is, for those who don't know, who don't Thing, or for those of you who uh, have heard about it, you probably think that it's the spooky thing that the Soviets and the Chinese do, and it's terrifying, and you don't want anything to do with it because it's uh, an oppressive regime. Well, originally, it wasn't meant to be that. Originally, it was meant to be a stateless, classless, moneyless society uh, where the workers own the means of production. That means that they own all of the factories, all of the goods, the, uh, and all of the uh, tools that are used to produce goods inside of a, uh, inside of a system. And they run off of the axiom from each according to the, uh, their ability to each according to their need. So that's what communism is. And that's the goal that people want to eventually aspire to. Socialists, for the most part, want an eventual communist society. But to get there, you need a certain um, pathway, right? And that's where socialism comes in. Now, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to me right now saying that's not what any of this means. These mean totally different things. Those aren't the right words that this is the incorrect definitions. You're probably right. There are millions of different definitions for socialism and communism for every different country that there is. There's a different uh, for every different socialist country that there is. There's a different version of socialism being instituted there. Just like capitalism, there's a different type of capitalism in every different country. So just like in uh, Dubai, you're going to have a capitalist country that is radically different from the ones the one that you see in the United States. So socialism is the same way. Um, but generally, socialism is the pathway towards getting that stateless, moneyless, classless uh, society. Um, and uh, so it's basically look, looked at as uh, a transitional state. If you're going to put this in economic terms, uh, socialism is the social ownership of the means of production, whereas communism is the worker ownership of the means of production. Social ownership can mean in many different ways. So um, you can actually have uh, socialist states that are partly socialist, partly capitalist. Um, you can have social programs, which often get confused with socialism itself, uh, which actually lands more on the side of um uh, the capitalist side than post-capitalist. So there are a lot of different types of socialism. Uh, there are a lot of different isms when it comes to all of this. And it's extremely complicated. So I'm, so I'm sorry if it, if it is a little bit boring, but, uh, I, <laughs> uh, but that's so, basically what that is. So, so what is AOC? AOC. Okay. So AOC, that's a great question. AOC is something called a social Democrat. Now she'll call herself a democratic socialist, but that's not what she is. She's a social democrat, and that is because she is still technically a capitalist. She says that she want, wants social programs, social change, that sort of thing. But when she's talking about those things, she's talking to, about them in a reformist way. She's talking about them in a way where we can take this, the structure that we have now and tweak it and alter it and change it and uh, do all of these technocratic solutions so we can make it a little bit more palatable uh, to everyday people, which if you ask anybody who's post-capitalist, they'll tell you that's not going to work. It's just like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. It's just not going to help you at all. Um, but that's basically what AOC is. And that's the same thing with Bernie Sanders as well. Bernie Sanders is also a social Democrat. All right. So 
if you, you're you're an ANCOM and an ARCO communist, um, how's that different from the original version of communism, or is it? It's not um, right. So uh, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, we're more pure about things, right? We like to think of things as more or less like uh, we believe in the original um, unfettered version, un uncorrupted version of communism. Uh, and that involves the uh, structure uh, of power as well, right? So uh, when you're talking about communism and when you're talking about anarchism, you're talking about two different but connected things. Communism is talking specifically about um, the economy and how the economy works, whereas anarchism is talking about power structures, right? So communism, uh, that's how you deal with your goods. And anarchism uh, is basically the abolition of all unjustified or unnecessary hi hierarchies. It doesn't mean getting rid of all hierarchies. It just means finding all of the ones that are good and making sure that we keep those and eliminating all of the bad ones. Right, right. So you are a real leftist, like by the real term. Uh, well, I hope so. Um <laughs> And but you know what? Here's the thing, though, is that is uh, it, uh, technically, yes, technically, I'm a leftist. But the way that I like to look at things is that um, it isn't necessarily about left or right. It's about working people against the system that is corrupted and pushing down on all of us. Right. Um, I don't like to sow any kind of division. I don't like to say conservatives are wrong because they're conservatives. I like to say conservatives are wrong because they're fed the same kind of propaganda that everybody else is. They're just wrong in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. I think that liberals are wrong too. They're just wrong in a different way. We need to be more welcoming and come together as a people, come together as all working people and fight for the rights of everybody rather than just uh, allowing this system to continuously push down on us. So if you had one solution to offer that would help solve most or at least you know a good portion of society's problems, it would be workers of the world unite is that what i'm hearing yeah i would definitely say that would uh, be useful uh, but a practical solution would be um using something called worker owned co-ops right mm -hmm. uh now this is a more uh reformist uh solution but i definitely like to push this idea because it's really smart um a worker owned co-op is basically a company that instead of having one owner right the capitalist that goes in and buys the business and hires a bunch of workers you have a group of people that get together and work together to own and control that business themselves. So that allows them to uh, decide what they'll produce, when they'll produce, how they'll produce it, and what they're going to do with the profit, which is fantastic because if that's the case, you don't have one CEO 100 miles away collecting all of your money, all of the surplus labor value, the money on top of all of the money that you've made that covers uh, your labor cost and the cost that it run, takes to run the business, they're taking, instead of them taking all of that money and putting it in their pocket, in a worker co-op, that money is spread out through all of the workers. So you actually make more and you get that added bonus of feeling like you own something. And I think that, as far as I'm concerned, is the number one solution that all post-capitalists should be pushing towards uh, right now uh, as far as reformist ideas go. Yeah, and we're actually starting to see a lot of those pop up, even here, like in the boonies. Um, so I, I've got to ask, because I know it's going to show up in the comments section, in this worker-owned co-op, isn't there going to be a boss? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it depends on how you want to set it up. So mm -hmm. if you are a group of people, say you're um, just a, a couple of people that are making shoes or jewelry or whatever it is, a commodity, and you all know basically what you need to do, and there's only three or four of you, and you can basically work together, then no, you don't really need a boss. Um, but that's where this whole justified hierarchy system comes in. If you find out that there is the necessity of having somebody there to organize, somebody there to delegate, somebody there to point people in a direction and say, this is what you need to do, this is how you need to do it, and this is where it needs to go, that's when you get somebody that would be a boss. But instead of just having that person appointed by the owner or whatever it is, these people can be democratically elected into positions of authority. It's called uh, uh, democracy in the workplace. And it allows all of the workers to have democracy, not just in their daily lives, in uh, their, their everyday space, voting on um, whatever it is, your mayor or your uh, president or, or whatever. You now get to vote on your management, on your bosses, on your supervisors, on all of those sorts of people. That way, if they make a mistake, they are 100% not only um, responsible for it to you, they're responsible to the owners and to all of the employees as well. So it's a much better system. It's a much more democratic system. Um, and at the end of the day, they still have to wash their dishes in the sink just like everybody else does. I like it. So give me a topic of the day that you haven't done a YouTube video on that you want to and expound. Give us some, some new content. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> right off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, it takes it. hours every morning to think about what I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so I've been really wanting to do a video about uh, the uh, protests that have been going on in China. Uh, but my problem with doing a video about, and, and I've been kicking around the ideas in my head a lot, but, the problem with doing a video about that is there is so much propaganda on all sides that I, I just can't make heads or tails of it. And I'm not like you where I'm it's steeped in all of this international politics and just knowing how all that stuff works. Uh, like when I want to go research something about a country, I have to sit there for hours learning everything about that country because I've never looked it up before because our uh, education system is broken. Right. And we don't learn about these sorts of countries. We don't learn about their systems. So if I wanted to do a video on it, I have to do a whole bunch of uh, this extra research. The problem with China is that the United States wants to make China look bad. Um, they want to make sure that all of the uh, uh, narrative that is pushed in the uh, media makes sure that the government, the communist government is looking terrible. Uh, while all of these protesters are uh, looking like heroes and that sort of thing, not saying that they aren't. I'm I think that anybody fighting against a repressive regime is um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but there's no way for me to just know what the real story is there because we're just fed all of this propaganda, so much propaganda all of the time uh, that I don't even know, really know heads or tails where to start on that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, there are contractors who are looking at that and going, Man, because there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, telltale signs that looks like there's a lot of let's just say outside influence in some of the uh, protests, and you know nobody wants to come forward and be like, yeah, do that, and then find out that a large portion of it was pushed by a U.S. agency when most of most of the guys I know and still talk to have kind of uh, 
decided not to work for the government anymore. <laughs> um, and, and they don't, they don't want to get it. They don't want to cross that line again. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's definitely, you know, from the, the from the area experts and people that we know that that really are into China, um, there's definitely a huge organic component to it. So, you know, I feel kind of bad because I'm like this, this seems real. This seems real on every level. You have a whole bunch of real complaints, real people out there in the street. But because we're seeing the fingerprints of outside manipulation, everybody's kind of holding back. And, you know, you don't want to go full bore into supporting it. And in a way, I feel bad because I'm like, you know, this is something the the organic protest should definitely be supported. But how do you separate it from what's being manipulated? Um, it, it's It's difficult. It is that that's a tough one. I haven't done a video on it yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Not a lot of people have because it's such a touchy subject to touch, right? Because mm. uh, you want to get out there and you want to be supportive of uh, personally, I want to be supportive of everybody that is fighting against any power structure anywhere. <laughs> that's what we need to be doing, right? right? We need to be getting ready. We need to be getting we need to learn how to do that, right? So, um, and, and I think that that's wonderful, but is it astroturfed? Is it being uh, led on? And that's the thing, right? Is a lot of the uh, military backed coups done by the United States or done by any other major superpower always involves a, a certain amount of, um, of uh, uh, people on the ground that are actually angry and that actually have real yeah. concerns. Uh, yeah. that's, how they, that, that's how they push those ideas as being legitimate. Mm -hmm. um, with every lie, if you have a certain amount of truth in it, it makes it more real. So, uh, and yeah, that is a really tough one to, to talk about, but it's telling, um, that that's the one that we see everybody talking about, but we don't see, uh, the genocide that's happening, um, in, uh, Yemen. We don't see any of the, uh, attacks that are happening throughout the rest of the entire world. We're only seeing these things that, well, for, it benefits the United States to have that portrayed on their media that's just the way it is oh absolutely i mean absolutely there's there's no doubt that the uk and the us are coming out way ahead in this battle more so than even if the protesters come out ahead with their grievances the us and the uk are still going to be the ones that really come out ahead um but yeah so what what are you planning on doing in the future your channel it's growing i see it so where where are you headed uh, you know, okay, so I started off my channel just trying to do everything as, like, relaxed and as easy as I possibly could, just trying to, like, get videos out there, sit down, record something, and go. Um, and the way that I am, I make things a little bit more complicated and a little bit more complicated and a little bit more complicated until a point where uh, now I uh, just finished filming um, a special, a Halloween special uh, that's basically like a full-on movie. Um, it's like 23 minutes long. I went and shot all across the entire province. It, it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, things get more complicated. So I'm just hoping that my little cell phone camera videos aren't going to get more complicated because that's already hard enough as it is. I honestly don't know how you put out a video every day, man. Like it, it is difficult. I don't, I don't sleep. <laughs> I mean, that helps. Uh, yeah, you can't sleep. That's the thing, right? You got to be on on it all the time, always researching, always knowing, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing about uh, doing online stuff, too, I'll just say, is that uh, you have this expectation to be perpetually correct with everything that you say and that you always have to have some sort of opinion on everything. And it's like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, man, 
I don't fucking care. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care. Like I, I just, I, I wake up sometimes and I'm like, it, it's all effed. It, there's just the only way to fix things is through a full-on revolution. Why am I talking about like this petty grievance that's happening between a mayor and some other guy like a hundred miles away? None of this matters, but um, it does matter because even though politics is very stupid, um, it is very important. Uh, and it's something that we unfortunately have to pay attention to, even though every single day feels like someone is opening up a full fire hose into your mouth of information <laughs> that is just impossible to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely feel you on that one, too. Um, yeah, there, there have been a couple of times, especially right after the latest thing with uh, with Pack Daddy. You know, my inbox immediately filled up because that's that is my area, you know, and uh, like they're wanting like an immediate reaction to what's going on and what's going to happen. And and I'm like, you know, he's not even cold yet. <laughs> you know, g give me a minute. Let me figure it out. Let me let me talk to some people, find out what's going on. But there is that pressure to always be 100 percent correct. Um and you're extrapolating stuff from different sources and trying to come up with the best guess that you can. Um, and actually, when I finally came down to that one, I'm like, <laughs> any of these three things can happen. Um, but because we don't have the information yet, we don't really know what happened. Um, and, that, and that's like what I was saying just before we started the stream, right, is that news crews and what we're doing is kind of similar to like a news thing, right? It's commentary, but it is kind of news. And news crews have entire groups of people that deal with editing, they deal with sound, they deal with all of this, these sorts of things. They find you stories and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's so difficult for independent creators uh, like you, like me, like uh, Peter Coffin and other people uh, to actually get out there and um, produce really well-researched, really well-thought-out content on a regular basis. Uh, without having that support behind us like they do, right? Like they, um, Fox News or or uh, Blaze TV or whatever it is, they have millions, millions of dollars behind them. Uh, and I'm just some uh, jagoff sitting here in my <laughs> in my in my office, like hoping that I'm getting things right, you know. So. <laughs> Well, you know, that's actually one of the directions we're taking the podcast now. Is we're we're going. I've noticed that the we're getting the best solutions from the ground level. You know, they've got millions of dollars of research and millions of dollars at their disposal, and every channel's the same. There should be some variation. You know, somebody should be coming up with something ahead rather than just regurgitating the same talking points. Um, you know, and the, the thing is, too, is it actually reminds me of uh, the way that guerrilla forces um, operate when they're fighting against uh, an overwhelming power, right? Like the United States military or any other kind of military. You have to not think in the, the same ways that somebody with unlimited money can think in, right? right. You have to be light on your feet. The, the kid with the bolt-action rifle on the top of the hill is going to be able to get an entire military base to expend millions of dollars worth of ammunition at them. Uh, by just th throwing it at them, just by shooting a couple of shots at them, right, mm -hmm. with a bolt-action rifle. That's the kind of way that uh, we have to think about those sorts of things is guerrilla tactics. We have to be able to be light on our feet and running out there with our running shoes on and not combat boots. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to maneuver around it and actually get, you know, a good solid audience, which we'll be doing, I think. 
All right. So parting shot, you got anything you want to say to the audience? Uh, you know what? Um, not a whole lot outside of uh, that. I am a huge proponent of direct action. If I could ask anybody out there to do anything, um, it would be to uh, not subscribe, not to donate, though those things definitely do help the production of the shows and stuff like that. Um, but it is to actually get out in the street and make yourself physically shown. Uh, putting physical bodies in physical spaces is the only way that we're going to actually see any sort of real reform, any sort of real change uh, in the world. And if things are bothering you out there right now, if things are making uh, it difficult for you to live and you have the time, right? a lot of us don't have the time, but if you do get out there and actually try to make a difference because it's up to all of us and we can't do it alone. So we have to have the support from everybody out there. So definitely do that. And if you do get a chance, um, check out my channel. Uh, it's uh, re-education on YouTube. Um, and uh, we do a lot of really interesting stuff there. Some of it's pretty dramatic. Some of it's uh, lighthearted. And um, some of it's just me talking off the cuff and swearing for about 20 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right sounds good um so everybody that's the conclusion of the interview portion we'll be back shortly here in just a minute well howdy there internet people is Bo again um i got a message and i'm gonna remove a lot of information from it because it was personally identifying and I'm going to answer it publicly because I think a whole lot of people could benefit from hearing it. Um, okay, so starts off with we're from the same area. I spent eight years in the SF. You seem to understand. I was medically discharged. I'm back home now around my friends from high school. Before I enlisted, I was racist, like really racist. They still are. They keep telling me how I've changed, and it bothers me. What am I supposed to do? How do I reconcile my past beliefs? How do I explain my current ones? I want to get active and make the world a better place, and I think I have the skill set to do it. And I find myself leaning towards the word you won't say. How can I possibly get active with my past? I'll get canceled if they find out. I've been through a lot of this. For me, it wasn't eight years, it was five. But same thing, come back to a small town, man, you've changed. The question, my friend, is not why have you changed in eight years? The question is why haven't they changed in eight years? You need new friends. You don't need to explain anything to them. Nothing. <laughs> you don't owe them an explanation at all. You don't. You were racist. Of course you are. You were from the hometown you grew up in. That pretty much goes without saying. I'm familiar. I've been there a few times. <laughs> um, now you're not. Yeah. Travel will do that to you. Travel will do that to you. You get exposed to different things along the way. Race, ethnicity, language, these things, they slip away as dividers. So, yeah, that changes. You've evolved. Good. You're going to keep evolving, too. Your past is your past. Everybody's got one. 
everybody believed something problematic at one point in time. And everybody still does. Nobody is as enlightened as they think they are. Everybody has beliefs that are wrong. Everybody, you, me, everybody watching this video, there's something that they believe that is just dead wrong. It is what it is. You're going to keep growing. Uh, in your case, being SF, I'm willing to bet that you are incredibly ableist. Yeah, race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, country of origin, these things mean nothing to you anymore. There's no bias there. You're done with that. But the best and brightest got a job to do, man. You weren't exposed to people that are disabled. That's what changed it. It wasn't that you had some epiphany. You were exposed to these different things. You saw that all men are pretty much the same. That's what changed. Because you weren't exposed to this, you're still going to have those biases. And it's not that you look down on people. It's that you're not conscious of it the way you are the other things. And this is one I can cop to. It wasn't even that long ago. A couple months ago, a friend of mine, He's redoing his bathroom, and we're standing there, and they're talking about how they've got to widen his door to make it wheelchair accessible. And, you know, nobody in his house is in a wheelchair. And we're standing there talking about just how stupid it is. And it wasn't the architect. It wasn't the, the contractor. It wasn't a carpenter. It was literally a day laborer, and I love that because I'll tell you something else you probably still have in you is a class uh, you, you, you may need to work on your class consciousness a little bit. But this guy, he stands up and interjects into the conversation. And he's like, hey, well, what we're doing is we're, we're kind of retrofitting all the houses when people, you know, update. You're updating your bathroom, so we're going to widen the door. It's going to cost you like half a percent extra. You're not even going to notice it in the end price. And... The problem is that right now, you know, all the doors are this standard size, and we want them to be wider so people with wheelchairs can get in and out, and then this will become the standard size, because right now, people in wheelchairs, they got to retrofit any house that they get, and it's kind of like a tax on disabled people. Yeah, I... yeah, that makes complete sense. That actually sounds like a good idea. Carry on, you know? <laughs> We had never thought of it because we weren't exposed to it. We had no idea that this was even an issue. You're going to run into stuff like that all the time. You will continue to grow. You will continue to see things in a different light as long as you allow yourself to. New information should change the way you see things. Growing as a person is a lot like those PT requirements. I'm sure there was a time when that two-mile run of 15 minutes seemed daunting. After a while, that was nothing, and you set a new goal. You got stronger. Same thing is going to happen with your mind and the way you think and the way you evolve as a person. Right now, you're, you think you're at your peak. You're not. Nobody is. Everybody's going to get better. Now, as far as your past, everybody's got a past. People understand that. Um, you know, it just say it, you know, these were your beliefs then. These are your beliefs now. Most people understand that people grow. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Some of us have mass graves. It's okay. 
The point is that you're growing. Now, if you were to hold on to those, yeah, that may lead you to getting canceled. Um, but as long as you're continuing to move, it's probably not going to be a problem. Yeah, there's going to be some people that don't like it. Some people are going to say, well, he didn't really change. He's just saying that or whatever. And that's fine. Don't worry about that. It's not a competition. It's not who's the most woke. Just continue growing and showing that through actions. And people will understand. People will get it. Um, everybody has a problematic past in some way. Everybody. But as long as you keep showing that your current actions are different than that, people aren't going to care. People are not going to care. You cannot allow your past to define you. One of my, uh, one of the YouTubers I watch a lot is a guy named Aaron. His channel is called Reeducation. Uh, he's an ex-Nazi. <laughs> he now is somebody you will probably really like. Um, so don't think that just because your past is bad that people don't want you to get better. I think people would be more supportive than you think. People change. If you don't look back on the person you were five, ten, two years ago and just cringe at how stupid you were, you're not growing as a person and you're failing at life because that's the whole point. Anyway, it's just a thought. You have a good night.